Hey, Joe on Joe listeners, it's me, Joe Slepsky, and I'm back and you're back. This is the uh, the quarantine re-releases of our original tracks going back four years, and I hope you're enjoying these as much as I'm enjoying reliving them, warts and all. I, I, uh, I, I think you can easily hear where I'm finding myself and finding what the show turned out to be, so I'm really happy to share these with you guys. Again, we pulled these back from behind the Patreon wall, and I wanted to make them available to everybody during this time to share and give and listen and have fun, especially because G.I. Joe's back on YouTube now. So, yeah, so I appreciate that. And you guys uh, can always follow me at Joe on Joe Pod on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Let me know what you think of some of these early episodes, how terrible they are, or how funny they are, or how awful they are. And we're starting recording back up again, so reach out to me. Let me know, joeandjoepod at gmail.com. Let me know if you want to join me for an episode. I believe we're going to jump into G.I. Joe Extreme very, very soon. So without any further ado, here is the OG track from Joe on Joe four years ago. Enjoy. You are listening to the Joe on Joe podcast. The only podcast where Joe talks about Joe. And now, your host, Joe Slepsky. Yo, Joe, and welcome back to Joe on Joe, the only podcast where I, Joe Slepsky, breaks down the G.I. Joe original cartoon series episode by episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Joe on Joe Pod, and you can send me an email at joeonjoepod at gmail.com. I am ex- very excited this week because we have the very first episode of the ongoing Joe series. Now, once again, it is a miniseries. However, it is the start of the actual series. So this is this takes you back to September 1985. And the episode is called The Further Adventures of G.I. Joe, and it's part of the Pyramid of Darkness five-part miniseries. This probably was the miniseries that I loved the best, that I saw the most when I was a kid. I was 10 years old, and it and it tickled every fancy that I had. So we're going to get into it, and remember, today's file card spotlight is on Breaker, the G.I. Joe communication expert. So here we go. I love that they call this the further adventures of G.I. Joe. I'm pretty sure I didn't know that before doing this actual episode um, because it it's it's almost like it's it's saying everything else is just going to be awesome. Just get sit down, sit back, get ready, strap it on. We're going to enjoy some G.I. Joes. And real quick, before we get into the show, I need to make a couple corrections because every time, every single time I'm editing an episode, I hear me say something, whether I'm identifying someone or talking about a, um, um, one of the machines or talking about one of the characters, and, and I'm wrong. I'm so totally wrong. But I don't go back and fix it because, you know what, uh, let's live in the moment. So last week, I totally misidentified Heavy Metal, Driver of the Thunder. Um, he was such a cool toy. I never had him as a kid, but I always loved the look of him because he had that cool green and brown color scheme. And he came with the monocular uh, telescope and just a very cool looking character. He had the little uh, the little wings coming up on the side of his head. And I think I called him um, I think I called him Steeler or Clutch or something. I I don't know what I called him, but I knew it was wrong when I said it. And I never went back and fixed it. And a a couple episodes back, I called the snow battle sled the snowcat. It's totally not the snowcat. Like, I know it wasn't snowcat. I knew it was was coming out of my mouth. But you know what? We're going to live with some errors. 
The Further Adventures of G.I. Joe. So it's written by Ron Friedman. Ron Friedman also wrote the previous two miniseries as well. So we are going to be in for a kind of a similar plot where Cobra has a big picture scheme. It's going to affect the whole world. There's going to be things. Things are going to be located all over the planet that the Joes have to split up and go take care of. Um, however, this by this point in time, um, this aired, by the way, in, on September 16th, 1985, for the first time. Uh, the Joes themselves, the toy line, had introduced a lot of new characters. So, again, like in the previous miniseries, this first episode has a lot of introductions of the new characters. But with all those new toys and characters, you have the opportunity to explore a lot of different characterizations of people so you have a lot more personalities bouncing off each other um this was the third kind of the third wave of joe toys for me that was the wave that was my meat and potatoes like i had almost all of the third wave figures i think there was like one or two that i didn't get so when they all start showing up in the tv show they're more colorful. They're not, they're not, everyone's not in the dress green stuff like that, like the first generation was. So it's like almost every character in the Joes are now have truly become their own little superhero. Uh, so we've got Shipwreck, a um, pirate, basically a Navy man. Uh, he's flying a Sky Striker, although Navy, Navy's have jets. I'll give, I'll give him that. And we've got a um, uh, space shuttle taking off. Now, what's more 80s than a space shuttle? A space shuttle with a mohawk, maybe. Uh, and the space shuttle gets caught in a net that is uh, set by Cobra. And you just meet the two, the uh, Crimson Twins, the Crimson Guard leader. Now, it's weird because the Crimson Guardsmen were in the previous miniseries, but Tomax and Zamot were not. Little known fact about Tomax and Zamot, uh, they're supposed to be the Italian Mafia. But they don't sound Italian in the least, not even in that bad stereotype way. Wrong again, Chrome Cheeks. Cobra is kidna- uh, kind of kidnapping the space shuttle mid-launch. It's so, like, you could tell this was made. So what, let me look. Let's look. So September 1985, all right? So what was happening in September 1985? The Chicago Bears were destroying the NFL, right? They were on their way to become the Super Bowl champions. So this aired about four months before the Challenger actually blew up, um, which is a very real, very tragic moment. Uh, People of my generation, we all remember where we were when the Challenger exploded. So I don't see them doing this episode a year later, so it's weird, especially watching after seeing that Challenger blow, watching it just be held kind of in the air by these nets while its afterburners are firing and stuff. Like, even as a kid, not to get, I, not to get too serious on this, and obviously the, it's a cartoon and the guys made it, you know, they weren't going for anything serious, but... Um, like even as a kid, like you, you saw that fragility of how fragile the launch could be. And it's so like, I wonder if, I wonder if this had just debuted, say six months later, had they, would they have debuted it? Like, you know, would they, would they have been more, would they have been sensitive to it? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm reminded of when, uh, that issue of Superman, I think it was an issue of action comics, um, where, uh, Kennedy was featured in it and it, hit the stands like a week or the same week that um, that Kennedy got shot in Dallas. 
um, we actually just sold one at Golden Apple the other day. I work at Golden Apple Comics out here in L.A. And uh, best shop in L.A. If you're out here, give it a shot. Yeah, it's such a it's a cool little piece of history. So this strangely has a space shuttle connection. 1985 September, there was nothing better than the Chicago Bears. Nothing. Of course, that would lead into the William the Refrigerator Perry becoming a GI Joe. Oh, wait, here we go back to the show. So the Joes just saved the sh- the space shuttle. And Cobra Commander and the Crimson Twins just escaped by two gigantic robots who popped up out of the water. And these robots looked like chemo from the Metal Men, DC Comics Metal Men. Cobra Commander and the Crimson Twins. Flint sends Snake Eyes and um, Shipwreck off to chase after these like giant robotic monstrosities. Like they're really cartoony. It's weird. Like they they they're cool though. They're very sci-fi, very cool. And the space shuttle presumably is safely on its way into space. Meanwhile, uh, there's a Cobra Rattler that's flying through the city. Now it's like New York, but they call it later on. They refer to it actually. They give it a name. It's called like um, Enterprise City or something like that. And they're flying, it's Destro, Destro's in the Rattler, and Flint and Lady J are flying these Sky Strikers through these towers, like, it's amazing, it's like a video game, it's great, like, the animation's really fun, it's very first person, very fast, they're, they're spinning and twirling and twisting. So, these key, that giant, so they're big robots, how to describe it, so big robots where their bodies are like plastic, and inside the plastic is water, and that's what's giving them the bulk of their bodies. And then they've got metal gear like harnesses that are that make up their hands and their heads and their Water robots return to the river and attend to G.I. Joe. We are going to see the coolest, probably the coolest single like like small toy. I mean, we've already seen it. But it's the shark, the S H A R C shark. Uh it's the water and air flying machine. Now, whoever designed this at the toy company, whoever thought of this, was freaking brilliant, and they deserve a raise. It looks like it looks like a rocket ship, and it, you can play with it underwater. It can fly, and we we'll go to commercial. GI Joe will return after these messages. Today's file card spotlight is on Breaker. Now he's been with the team since day one. In issue one, he was the guy popping bubblegum that made it sound like machine gun fire in order to scare the enemy when they ran out of bullets. So inventive. Totally fell in love with him. Uh, He came with the backpack that had the um, connected headgear. So, like, earliest Joe had this really cool accessory on it uh, that gave him a, uh, like, a headphone. It's so great. Now, his name is Alvin R. Kibbe. His, they give his social security number, but you know, and I'm, I'm not going to file his taxes. His primary military specialty is the infantry. You would think it would be like communications or something. That's weird. His birthplace is Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and they're pretty, they're pretty true to that. He's got that, he's got that uh, Tennessee accent in the show, which is, which is nice, kind of a, like a Nashville kind of accent. Uh, now he is a grade E4. A breaker is familiar with all NATO and Warsaw Pact communication gear as well as most world export devices. Specialized education, signal school, covert electronics, Project Gamma, qualified expert in the M16, M199, blah, 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 guns. Okay. Now, classified, he speaks seven languages, which he better. Quote, he's efficient and self-assured, and he has an uncanny ability to turn adverse situations to his favor. Now, he's one of the early Joes, and his file card, those early Joe cards were always a little sparse. Um, he was portrayed in the movie 
the G.I. Joe, the first movie, he was the um, French guy who uh, couldn't go back to France because they destroyed the Eiffel Tower, which I thought was a fun bit. And in the comics, he was used for, for a good while until he was the victim of like the first mass slaughter of Joes that they ever depicted. There was a, a big fight in Trucial Abysma. And he was part of like seven or eight Joes that got left behind, and they had to find their way out and escape. And it was really exciting. And he ended up uh, he ended up biting a bullet, which was uh, a big deal in the comics at the time. Like it really was. He didn't make it out of that 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 uh, excursion alive. And he was one of the originals. So you know, our hats off to you, Breaker. Uh, may you find peace in the big pit in the sky. And back to the show. Now back to G.I. Joe. So back to the shark. We it's just it's like it's an all-purpose toy and it looks very cool. It looks very sci-fi and it's super fun. And then in conjunction with the show, it's the, the all-purpose weapon for them. You couldn't take a um you know, you couldn't take a uh sky striker underwater. You know, you can't fly that underwater. You couldn't even do like a skyhawk. Like when in what's their motto? Under on land, sea, and air. So when they introduce sharks to the show, they can just put a guy in a shark and he can go up, he can go down, he can do whatever he wants. So Snake Eyes and Roadblock and Shipwreck are in the sharks underwater fighting these giant robots. Snake Eyes just went down into the silt and crash landed. So did Shipwreck. And they're using uh, like kind of periscope to kind of chat with each other. And they're going to skirt along the riverbed to sneak into the Cobra base, which is where they were headed. Uh, and that's where Cobra Commander and the and the and Tomax and Zamot uh, hid away. Meanwhile, Roadblock and the other guys are fighting the giant blue uh, sharks, which or I'm sorry, giant blue robots. Which, by the way, the sharks also look just like the ship that you fly in the Atari game River Raid, which was my all-time favorite Atari game. So I used to pretend that River Raid was a GI Joe game. So you'd be flying, you'd be shooting like Fang helicopters and stuff. I, yeah, it's. River Raid absolutely should have gotten like a G.I. Joe edition. That would have been amazing. So the robots do a cool thing. They open their face mask and they start sucking in the river. And within that, the sharks get pushed into the robot's body. So they're flying within the robots. Like This is a really, really cool idea. Like it's a great concept. Ron Friedman, kudos. That's really cool. They then uh, sh- like turn their arm into a water cannon basically. And they fire the sharks out, you know, with, with hap hat, you know, with just, shoot them out of the out of the water and they tumble and they crash not sure why they couldn't get their bearings again and fly but either way it's pretty cool use of those robots i'm fairly positive those have never been made in any kind of toy but cobra commander and destro um are now talking and they're telling destro to come on in and um come join them at their at their headquarters so this is when you first see that they're going to have this like city based tower headquarters that joes are are not going to know it's kind of like like it's like a secret lair so destro uses the vtol capability the rattler to just fly into the side of a building and the building opens for him and then it closes and by the time flint and flint and jay get there um you know the ship's gone so this is what it is is it's the headquarters for extensive enterprise and extensive enterprises is tomax and zamat's uh business you visit them you'll see them all throughout the show they're they're very often uh basing their uh attacks and stuff from extensive enterprises and 
there you go. Flint just called it Enterprise City. So that's I don't know how often that's fe- that's mentioned in the rest of the, the whole series, but it's kind of cool. So they live in your Enterprise more City. So now you see what Cobra's real reason was, and they give a kind of a replace. Apparently, Cobra tapes all of their uh, antics on a special tape. And you see that what they were doing with the space shuttle, they weren't trying to capture it. They were planting a special cargo pod into the bay area of the space shuttle. You know, it's a very, very, it's very, I mean, space shuttle, it's 1980s. It's very 80s. But basically, they opened up the, uh, the top hatch of the space shuttle from outside, of course, and no one noticed it. And they put a couple of uh, cargo pods inside. How get aboard the space and shuttle? guess who's going to be inside? Zartan, as Cobra Commander just says. Zartan's already on board. So the space shuttle, which is red, white, and blue, and this is before they made the Defiant toy. Now, who's piloting the space shuttle? The desert trooper, Dusty. And Mutt and our boy Breaker, they're all flying up front. And Breaker, you know, he's our focus of the day. He was, I always liked Breaker on the show. They gave him a beard, they gave him a gray suit, different from the comic book and from the uh, from the uh, toy. He was always more of a personality, definitely on the on the TV show. And why Dusty, who is one of my all-time favorite shows, because he came with that sweet hat, like piece of cloth gear. Unauthorized cargo? Scarlet here, Mutt. I want you to locate and identify that cargo. Why he's flying the space shuttle? I don't know. And why they thought they needed to bring a dog into space? I don't know. But you know what? It's one of the awesome things about G.I. Joe. Like, there's some kind of crazy stuff that just happens because why not? Like, it makes sense. Looks like somebody managed to clip a cargo pod onto the overhead rack. Mutt realizes that someone put some extra uh, cargo into the overhead rack. And they're going to... The Breaker uses some kind of uh, Star Trekky looking uh, scanner thing. to, Although it actually could have been like a... Uh, radiation uh what do you call those geiger counter and zartan is dressed up as the weirdo generic guy that was hanging out with the the rest of the team and they open up the, now the team opens up the cargo and duke's there and scarlet's there whatever's in there come on out so they open the cargo and basically tribbles come out it's like a furby mated with a tribble from star trek and that's what you get with these guys and there is a card that is left behind, which Mutt notices. And so Mutt picks the card up, and he's going to read it for us. And the card says, These adorable creatures are called Fatal Fluffies. I'm sure you will enjoy their deadly secret. Sincerely yours, the Cobra The card, it spells the word there incorrectly. It says I-E-R instead of E-I-R. Secondly, the card in the, in the animation says, I'm sure you will enjoy their, their split personalities. It says it's different from what he reads. So that's kind of funny. Uh, and here we go. Zartan blows a whistle, and the fatal fluffies, kind of like like a Furby from hell, they turn into giant monsters. Joe will return after these messages. Now back to G.I. Joe. So the Furbies are now seven feet tall. They have horns sticking out. They're shooting uh, like lasers or blasts out of their out of their face. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. They have guns. I'm not out of their face, but they're giant, giant monsters, and they just start attacking the Joes relentlessly. They're oh, that's what they're doing. They're, there's flamethrowers coming out of their mouth, and uh, part of the 
pods the dreadnoughts came out of also had uh, the APCs. So the dreadnoughts are driving around on a space shuttle and APCs. Because, you know, why not have APCs in the space shuttle? Meanwhile, uh, Snake Eyes and Shipwreck have snuck into, like, through the um, through the uh, uh, water reservoir. They've snuck into the Cobra base. And they got to flood the sharks in order to swim up. Polly goes underwater, which he doesn't like. I feel like Polly's a girl. I think I, I think we, we dealt with this before. I think Polly's a girl. I, mean, I think I like it better if Polly's a girl. But maybe not. I don't know. We're going to... I don't know if that's it. We'll look into it when we do the shipwreck card. So Snake Eyes and, and Timber and Polly and Shipwreck... What is this They place? have infiltrated Cobra. And Snake Eyes just saves them right now from getting creamed by us subway station it's almost like in uh, superman the movie sure who knows a wet sailor with a parrot and a silent masked man with a timber wolf i think we're in major trouble now i want to know why he didn't say a silent ninja with a timber wolf i wonder if they thought people didn't know what ninjas were because people may not have known what ninjas were because ninjas were popular then but they weren't like that that was the boom of the ninja, you know, like that was ninjas were never more popular than the early eighties. So I wonder why they didn't say that. So our two guys, they just uh, beat the crap out of some Cobra guards and they stole their outfits. And so now they're dressed up as Cobra guards. And they're on the Nobody subway. wants to know a subway philosopher. Now try to relax and act natural. Says shipwreck the man with a parrot on his shoulder. Snake Eyes' face is still covered up with his visor. By the way, Snake Eyes looks amazing. Let's deal with it. Cobra Commander, the Crimson Twins, and Destro Flint and Jay and, Ro- and see, Ro- Rock and Roll. And now and we can't make Alpine has made the show now, and Bazooka's on the show. Like those two are going to be big time Joes for the rest of the series. There's Footloose, Roadblock, Quick Kick, which is funny because they haven't met Quick Kick yet. <laughs> They literally meet Quick Kick in this miniseries. He's featured in this in this scene right now. Uh, so Zartan calls him from the space station. They take the call, and they realize something's going wrong, and Zartan shoots them with a laser cannon from the space station and really blows up the pit quite well. Like, it is, the pit is really destroyed, like in a really real way. I just said that, Cobra Commander. Thank you. But they still have, Cobra still has a Cobra Temple because why wouldn't Fools they? Fools don't know is that the acquisition of Space Station Delta is but the first step in my creation what? of the most powerful the first step? in history. The Pyramid of Darkness. Yeah, there it is. This goes to the uh, the big like big doohickey MacGuffin of, the, uh, of this series. So he shows he's got a satellite and says computer simulation. Control cubes are placed at each of the four corners of the Earth. They will link with the space station to form this pyramid, beneath which no electrical energy source will function. Now, it's a cool idea. I love the idea because it's it's kind of neat, and they visualize it for you, so it makes sense. Um, he talks about the four corners of the world, like that was always like that's a euphemism. I don't know physically, like what what is considered a corner of the world. Like it it's, it seems it's it's one thing to say, but then to see it in practice, you're kind of like oh, okay. 
Um, so they basically is this. They've got these giant cubes. Now that they've hijacked the satellite, these cubes are going to go to all four you know corners of the globe, and they're going to uh, link up with the satellite. And if you visualize that, it makes a, a big triangle, a big pyramid over the top like two-thirds of the planet. The bottom third will be just fine. That's where I get, apparently where Cobra's gonna gonna live. So the Joes vow to fight back. They give a good yo Joe, but they're really messed up right now. I don't know what those cubes are for, but I'm sure they're not dice for a giant crap game. Oh, so we know Shipwreck loves craps. I love it. Um, so the Shipwreck and Snake Eyes, the the tram drops them off by the cubes and it's it's what it, it appears to be is a giant construction center where they're actually building these cubes and in order to get through there's a voice print when there's a big old robot who looks like um raj 2000 like john burns raj 2000 robot and repeat, shipwreck repeat. just tried the passcode and, and nope cobra commander the great snake rules forever no dice intruders intruders so, Raj 2000 calls intruders on them and traps them, and they're going to be exterminated. And that is where we be continued. E.I. Joe will return after these messages. In our next episode, Snake Eyes and Shipwreck steal a top-secret laser disc, but Cobra catches them red-handed, and this leads to a hair-raising chase through the treacherous Enterprise City subway system. Meanwhile, aboard Space Station Delta, what creates havoc with gravity as Dusty risks his life to reach the command center, and Clint and Lady J make a fatal attempt to stop Destro from planting the first control cube. All in the next exciting episode of G.I. Joe, The Pyramid of Darkness. I mean, that that looks exciting to me. Um, uh, everything about that is amazing. Um, it, it did look like, I forget what it is that uh, Flint and Lady J fell into, but it looked like tomato soup. Um, so there you go. There's the first episode of this new miniseries. Thanks again for listening. I can't wait to get into the next one. Um, I hope you enjoy the show. Remember to tell your friends, share it. And, uh, you know, if I make mistakes about what stuff's called, chalk it up to being, um, you know, old, drunk. Thanks for listening. Now you Joe, and Joan's half the battle.